There it goes, deep into center field, way, way back goes Matty Alou, and that ball is in Astro orbit. And the little dynamo, the toy cannon, now has 76 runs batted into the year. What a shot. Hey everyone, welcome to the beginning of week seven of the cannon. We've got a really fun episode lined up for you this week. Yeah, so this week we had uh, my stepbrother, Noah Averick, on. He just finished his senior year at the University of Pittsburgh, and he had a, a fun story to share with us that kind of included a little bit of a, a guessing game, a format break for us. And then uh, Vic and I both, both kind of talked about some baseball players from, from our childhood that, that were meaningful to us and we think kind of deserved a spot in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that was the whole theme of, of the episode was just making a Hall of Fame case. We took some some fringe guys, some guys that you might not necessarily associate with the Hall of Fame or might not think right off the bat that they would get enshrined. Uh, and we made what I thought were some pretty compelling cases. Yeah, so, you know, just a reminder as we're kind of trying out this new format, this is obviously being released on Monday. And then tomorrow and Tuesday, you're going to hear from me. Wednesday, you're going to hear from Vic. And then Thursday, you're going to hear Noah's section. And then on Friday, we're going to release a full version with all four episodes edited together as, as one big piece, if you'd rather listen to it as one thing. So there's a lot to look forward to this week, a lot of fun discussions. I think Noah brought an element of humor to the podcast that we haven't had yet. And so that kind of made it made some fun memories and some fun moments. And and so for the rest of this episode, what we're going to do to kind of, you know, keep you guys around, keep you interested, and hopefully get you to know us and get to know our friends a little bit better, is we're going to play one of my favorite games, the Baseball Prospectus Annual Drinking Game, which I think because it is 5 p.m. on a Sunday, we will not be drinking for this time. But we have the Baseball Prospectus Annual, and I have a fun theme for today's episode. And to join us today, we've got Matt back after his six-episode hiatus. Hello, and, everyone. I'm glad to be back on the, the airways today. And making his third TCC appearance, Jimmy is back with us again. Not doing college football, though. We'll Not stick doing, with baseball. Stick with baseball today. Jimmy, very quickly pulling out ahead in terms of guest caps. Exactly. He's gonna get, <laughs> I'm keeping very close track. By the way, get, both of you guys, how do you feel that uh, you didn't bring an aspect of comedy that Jacob's stepbrother was able to bring to the table. <laughs> I was a little insulted, honestly. Yeah. I already do that, so. Matt, Matt, it, you know, it's tough for you. Episode one is always going to be, is always going to be a learning curve. And as we try episode one of kind of these fun, looser Monday episodes that aren't going to be as edited, they aren't going to be as, you know, serious. We're going to, we're going to probably have some learning curves here today as well. Yeah, we um, should have reconsidered because we've got just two completely bland, unfunny guests. I know. <laughs> Don't expect any humor from this episode. No, not at all. So the way the Baseball Prospectus annual drinking game will work today, for those of you who are unfamiliar, is that I have a theme selected for today with a number of players that we're going to run through, um, probably about 10 or so. If it's going on for super long, we might cut that number down. Um, all of the players fit one specific theme that I have selected. They range from very good players to very bad and obscure players. So we're going to get kind of a nice mix of a bunch of guys. Um, and it's going to be first come, first serve. So Vic, Matt, Jimmy, whoever thinks they have the answer first can throw a guess out. Um, if you guess incorrectly, everyone else can guess before you can guess again, but we'll allow multiple guesses. 
Um, I'm not going to share the theme. This is an idea that Matt had. Originally, I was going to give you guys the theme. I'm not going to share the theme. If you want to try to guess the theme, you can guess the theme for five points as opposed to the one point that you can get for each of the individual players. So that's going to be like a big bonus. Uh, uh, you can guess what the theme is. Um, anywhere along the way, you can jump in and say you've got to guess the theme and you can take a stab at it. Um, and then we'll go for a few more. Um, the questions will be worth two points each um, until you guys come to a consensus that you would like a hint. If you ask for a hint, I will give you the division that the player plays in. Um, and then you can, then the question will be down to a one point question. Uh, so without further ado, let me pull up my list of names that we're going to use and we will get underway. Should we do like a, a buzzer system? How are we going to do this? I think you guys can just shout a name out because I, I don't think it's going to be, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be super controversial. The way I'm looking at it is like Jacob's the house and like we're just all trying to take down the house. I am also going to be keeping individual scores. What's the, uh, what's the policy on internet usage? Are we allowed to cheat in that, in that fashion? Uh, no internet cheating. Come on. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about any game that allows you to cheat. It's called cheating. Well, it, it depends on if you would consider that cheating or just proper use of resources. Oh, and I should also share that the way these players will be guessed is from the Baseball Prospectus Annual uh, 2020 edition. They give a write-up that's like five or six sentences. They're usually pretty fun, some mix of stats, some mix of just general observations about the player. They kind of vary player to player. Some of them are quite obvious. Some of them are very hard. Um, some of them are haikus. Some of them are haikus. <laughs> some of them are original songs, and some of them are very statistically oriented paragraphs. It's great fun. You get to, you get to really explore a lot of different areas of the baseball landscape. Um, and so without further ado, I will, I will launch into the first player. If you squinted at blank this past offseason, you might have seen a true center fielder that produced an all-star level when healthy, who possessed the tantalizing upside of a, the down-ballot MVP showing in 2017. Well, the blanks might have been squinting too hard, deciding to give the frequently injured outfielder four years and a player option for a fifth. That faith was rewarded with the worst season of blank's career. It wasn't a surprise to anyone when he missed over two months of the season, but that produced when healthy angle went missing and struggled so much in the field that blank had to take over center field duties. It feels like we've hit rock bottom in this, in this sordid tale, but blank came equipped with the diamond tipped drill of despair. As poorly as the regular season went, blank's NLDS performance stands alone. 0 for 13, one walk, 11 strikeouts, and a benching in favor of blank. Juan Uribe's transformation from a vitriol-inducing player to a fan favorite lends some optimism for blank going forward. At 32, though, it will be an uphill battle to remain healthy and productive, especially as a shift to the corner outfield puts more pressure on his back. It's unlikely that blank has, is as bad going forward as he was in 2019, but only because it'd be hard-pressed to be worse. I have a guess. Wow. All right, Matt. Let me hear. Is it Lorenzo Cain? It is not Lorenzo Cain. That was going to be my guess. Yeah. I'm glad you did it first. <laughs> Lorenzo Cain was not that bad. I was going to say, I don't remember him having that bad a season. No. Hmm. But also, the Brewers didn't make it to the DS. They lost in the wild card game. Yes. Astute. Yeah, I mean, I, if I'm, you know, 
peeling back through the, the, the lens here to kind of to find some stuff. I mean, obviously free agent two it's, years it's, ago, M- down ballot MVP showing in, in- Yeah, like somebody who was really good recently. Yeah, I mean, I think the down ballot MVP is it, is it is it is it Adam Eaton? It is not Adam Eaton. And Juan Uribe is also helpful. It doesn't. It's like it. They. I was going to say, is that meant to be taken literally or no? Not literally, as in like his name is Juan Uribe. <laughs> well, but yeah, it, but right. It, it, they, there are plenty of free agents who have signed and been disappointing. Juan Uribe probably makes that uh, a. For, probably fits that role for a specific team. Uh, it was not that they selected Juan Uribe for no reason. I don't think this is going to be right, but I'm going to go with Matt Kemp. It is not Matt Kemp. Okay. Right. So you now everyone NLDS, can guess it. Right? What? You said NLDS, right? I said NLDS. If you guys are looking for a division, you can always get it. Yeah, sure. All right. So the division is the National League West. Oh. AJ Pollock? AJ Pollock is correct. Matt is on the board with the first point of the day. Very nicely done. He was that bad? He was that bad. Yikes. Who was he benched for? Yeah. For Matt B. Yikes. All right. I'll pull up the second player here. Embarrassing. (laughs) Three years into Blank's return to baseball, we can safely say that what you see is what you get. His swing features too many holes to avoid in an abhorrent 30% strikeout rate, but he's disciplined enough to take his walks and has undeniable power. The biggest problem, honestly, is his defensive incompetence. His walk and bop stylings at the dish would enable him to start most days if he was a passable corner outfielder, but his bat loses some of its value when he's limited to either first base or DH. Is it any wonder, then, why the Blanks decided to bid him adieu? So I will, I will give the actual the blanks, the Brewers. So he's a person who changed teams and a former Brewer. Is it Eric Thames? It is Eric Thames. Yes. So that is slightly easier. Uh, so Jimmy's got two. Matt has one. Vic, still looking to put up a number here. At least I bring an aspect of humor to the table. <laughs> exactly. All right. Um, The all-star first half Blank put together in 2017 is looking more and more distant. And it's not just the passage of time. It's more likely that the player Blank is going to be the player he was the last two seasons, an injury platoon bat. Blank has fewer than 500 plate appearances to his name the last two seasons combined, as a shoulder injury ended his 2018 season early and a quad injury derailed his 2019. During the rare healthy times, he struggled to keep his batting average north of the Mendoza line, was moved off third base because of defensive woes, and struggled to adjust to his new home at the cold court. Blank has been enough utility against right-handed pitchers that he's probably not headed to slaughter yet. But that fleece isn't exactly as white as snow anymore. It's a well-written one. I really like that one. (laughs) Travis Shaw? No. Should I read the last line again? Because I kind of butchered when I read it. Yeah, what was it? Blank has enough utility against right-handed pitchers that he's probably not headed to slaughter yet. But that fleece isn't exactly oh, it's Jake Lamb. snow anymore. Oh. oh sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I knew that metaphor was something at the end. No, I was like, no, I just so don't know funny. what that is. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to give Vic a point there, although he buzzed in ahead of time. 
I think he deserves it. He got it. He deserves a point. He got it before anyone. Yeah. But I'm only going to give him the one. Listen, Jimmy got the full two and he got the team. True. Yeah. Well, no, we didn't get the team. You got the former team. The former Eric team. Okay. It's the national now. Fine. It was too hard to get otherwise. You only got like a two-sentence write-up. All right. I'll take what I can get. Okay. So now everyone's on the board. I, Vic, I know you were disappointed coming – or worried coming into this that you might not score points. Because I, I – okay. <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always much better at history than, like, the modern game when it comes to just sports in general. And I always, despite, like, knowing a decent bit about baseball, I always manage to make myself look like a fool when I play this game. Does it's hard to – Sort of sort through the encyclopedia of your brain, like based on a paragraph, you know. No, as quick enough as as you have to get to it. Does anyone have any guesses as to what in the hell the theme might be right now? So let's see: Lamb, Thames, and who did Matt get again? He got Pollock. Pollock. Former Diamondbacks. Well, Thames is not a Diamondback. I don't know if Thames played Diamondback with the Diamondback. No, he's not, not a Diamondback. That is not, that is not the theme. I will read the next player for everybody. New position, new hair, new teammates, same results. Blank showed up this year sporting a tinted Baywatch locks and looking ready to make a new start in left field, but struggled through his most disappointing season yet. Pitchers fed him a steady diet of high fastballs and sliders away, and Blank kept swinging through them helping his strikeout rate soar to a National League worst 34.4%, while his power continued to dwindle. The Blanks, perhaps thinking it would be easier to lower the floor than raise the stairs, tried him in center field, but his misadventures there le- leaked so much value that he ended the year as essentially a replacement-level player. Nearing 30 and set to earn $68.5 million over the next three years, Blank is as obvious a change-of-scenery candidate as there is in baseball. Matt, I thought I saw a glimmer of recognition in your face uh, once you started was, reading it. Oh, I, I did just, not know the stuff about the hair and the whatever. I mean, it, this does not give as much information on this player as, as is available. I feel like I should remember the hair. I feel like that's like a Bleacher Report headline that would have popped up. I think partially <laughs> that's a result of the team that he plays for. I mean, this is not a New York Yankee. I think if a New York Yankee came to camp with this hair, people might care. I guess so. Implying that maybe it's a small market team. Yeah, sometimes I like to just keep away. <laughs> hmm. But there's a lot of stuff about this guy. He's an outfielder, it said? Uh, he's played a lot of positions, but outfield okay. most recently. A lot of positions. Mostly because he can't play any of them well. Strikes out a lot. I have no idea. Yeah, this is so hard. This is a very hard. One. We should take. I'm gonna read you guys. I'm gonna read you guys his slash line from last season to see, or not his slash line, but his a couple of key stats. He hit 239. He hit 18 home runs. He stole 16 bases. Was he a regular starter? Um, not. Yes, he would have been had he not had his consistent injury issues. This is a player who was oft injured. Okay. And a former top prospect, I will add. Uh, is it uh, Will Myers? It is Will Myers. Oh, I'm, damn. I'm going to deem that enough of a hint that I'm going to only give Matt one point. This oh is a objective game. <laughs> oh. 
and I am I am the I am the boss. But Matt Matt will pick up his third point. Um, second. Se- second. Oh yeah, because you only got one for your first one. All right. All right. We'll move on. So we've got we've got Will Myers, we've got Eric Thames, we've got uh, Jake Lamb, and we've got AJ Pollock. Eric Thames, by the way, didn't he play for the Dinos? He did play for the NCAA. He did play for the Dinos. And the <laughs> Dinos. Dinos. Aaron Altair homered last night. It's big time. I think I got a VPN working last night so I could watch. Oh, good. Man. They're so good. I'm so sad that Darren Ruff left the season before like, it became a thing to watch. I, I actually agree. I, I would have I preferred, like, as much as I love Aaron Altair, I would have much preferred to watch Darren Ruff. Than a yeah. <laughs> I, I have a Darren Ruff autograph in my room. I, I was a huge Darren Ruff fan. All right, we're going to go to an easier one now. Try to break this game open a little bit. Eh, maybe not. I'm going to do this one instead because I just found it. All right. Blank's last two seasons have been so injury-riddled that baseball prospectus's lawyers had to carefully review this comment to make sure it wasn't committing a HIPAA violation. <laughs> Initially, a change of scenery and leagues seemed to light a fire under Blank as he hit seven home runs in his first 12 games for the Mariners but only two hits of the non-dong variety led to a bizarre 204, 298, 673 line. Before his BABIP could get right, his left Achilles went wrong on April 12th, setting off a series of maladies that marred Blank's season. Traded to the Blanks early in June, he missed time with a hamstring, elbow, and Achilles again injuries before finally landing on the IL on July 17th with a right oblique strain. Upon returning, he lasted exactly one day before a new injury, a left flexor strain. For those playing blank injury bingo at home, put him on the shelf and rendered him a 1990s-style pinch hitter the rest of the way. Only 32 on opening day, blank has what Bill James once described as old player skills. And while blank can still put a charge into the ball, that alone won't allow him to hang hang around well into his 30s. So he... Started the year in Seattle. Hit seven home runs in his first 12 games, but had only two non-home run hits. And then was traded in early June to the National League. Hey, Robinson. Oh, is it Jay Bruce? Jay Bruce! Oh. Vic, with a big get. Phillies legend, Jay Bruce. He did the same thing in his, at the start of his Phillies tenure. I know. They didn't mention that, which I was, I was like, he went off with the Phillies. So he had a walk-off double. I didn't even realize he did the... I knew he did that with the Phillies. I didn't even realize he did that with the M's. Yeah, no, his Mariner stat line is is crazy because he has like he has home runs are his most common type of hit. Like he has like fourteen home runs and twenty eight hits with the Mariners. Oh, twenty six home runs last year and had like no hits. It was just an absurd stat line and an absurd season for Mr. Jay Bruce. I didn't realize he was injured that much. Yeah, neither did I. I mean, I felt like Jay Bruce was mostly around, but he was injured for 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 some time in the middle of the season, I remember. And I guess when he came back, he was kind of just a pinch hitter. He didn't really play the field at all. Maybe a future Philly DH. Perhaps. The Phillies are not going to have a DH, even when they allow the rule. Not going to have a DH until we sign Mike Trout once his contract is over. Yes. Yeah. In what, seven years or whatever? Yeah. Just like after he makes his $400 million, he's just going to come home and then we'll let him play DH. We'll pay him like $100 million for two years. 
All right. This is a disappointing write-up, uh, but I'll throw it out there. Blank isn't the hitter he was earlier in his career, but you have to admire his consistency. He's now played 13 full big league seasons, delivering an above-average offensive performance in each. He's never batted lower than 250. He's reached base more often than 32% of the time all but once, and his lowest slugging percentage is 453. He's done all this while switching positions as often as the Blanks desired. The drug test scandal is a permanent blemish on Blanks' record, but as he enters the final guaranteed year of his contract, it's worth acknowledging that it's a mighty fine record as far as ball playing goes. Ryan Braun? Ryan Braun is correct. Nicely done. That was the drug scandal was yeah, that's that was pretty obvious. That's why I said disappointing right up. Um, All right, so wait. So we've got Ryan Braun, Eric Thames, AJ Pollock, Jay Bruce, um, Jake Lamb. Jake Lamb. Who's the first one that Matt got? AJ Pollock. You already said that. Oh, yeah. Anyone? Is the theme like really specific? It's not like hyper specific. It is a theme that you do not need any special knowledge of the players to get. It's not like they were all born in Florida. Okay, so it's not like a stupid fun fact like that. It's not a stupid okay. fun fact. <laughs> it is not. And, and the theme is a, a, a little bit subjective, but I'm using a specific source for my theme, so I feel okay about, about the subjectivity. All right. Let's have a discussion about perception, shall we? It's a powerful thing. In the 2015 playoffs, Blank had several embarrassing episodes in left field. He was then branded as a DH trying to play left field. In the years since, he hasn't been nearly as bad. Rather, he's been passable, if below average. Every once in a while, he makes a great play that seems to go unnoticed by the masses. Every once in a while, he has a terrible play and people go nuts. Rinse, repeat. Also in 2015, Blank was the incredible Hulk in the playoffs. He then tore his ACL in the 2016 season. Then he was amazing in the World Series. It was inevitable that he would become vastly overrated, and that's what happened. Blank's career has been a nonstop perception battle, with each camp having more than enough evidence to justify their position. What's the perception now? After a monster season that saw him post new career bests in most of the important categories. Is it that he just had a hot streak that coincided with the rabbit ball and that he's the streaky hitter he's always been? Or has he made adjustments that had, and has tapped into his well-rounded potential at the dish that people always expected? The safe answer is that Blank is somewhere in the middle. Our guess is there's a fair chance of him being better due to his new makeup and the fact that he's now in his statistical prime. So I heard injury, I heard ACL, and then did well in the World Series. I'm thinking Schwarber. You're correct in thinking Schwarber. How about that? Two in a row. Two in a row for Vic. He's kind of jumped out to a lead here. My podcast. <laughs> Your podcast. You're not going to let people come in here. Yeah. Okay. This is my house. <laughs> All right. I have no clue what the theme is, though. He's going to get the theme, and they're going to win. Despite, despite I, I, I think the theme is gettable now. The theme was not gettable. Can I, I mean, can I take a guess, and then, like, if it's wrong, can I guess again at some point? Yeah, no, you can guess the theme. Is it just is it just players that at one point were considered to be like potential franchise cornerstones and then just didn't pan out? That is not correct. I would argue okay. Brian Braun has been a franchise cornerstone. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's um, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a long theme of disappointment here. And I think there's also a secondary theme that you guys have not quite picked up on. 
Well, I mean, every one of these descriptions has been pretty negative. Like, they've all been <laughs> negative, but they've all been negative about a certain aspect of the player. I would yeah, yeah. Well, they've all been injured. It seems like. Now, yeah. are one of them. Oh, are they all like platoon hitters? I don't know, Matt. We'll we'll see. Ryan Broad's not a platoon hitter, though, really. Either Ryan, he wasn't. I, yeah. I, 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 okay. We're gonna do another one now. We'll see if you guys can 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 pull yourself together here. I feel like Bong got some crazy splits, though. I haven't gone for any of the super hard ones, just because I think that's not as interesting as well. Because there are some really hard ones that I could do. How many more do you think you're going to do? I have I'm a one. bunch more. But I'm going to do it probably until you guys get the theme, and then we can stop. I just forget half the players. That's part of the problem. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Is somebody writing these down? Let's do another review of the players. Players that we have done include Ryan Braun, Kyle Schwarber, Will Myers, A.J. Pollock, Jake Lamb, Jay Bruce, and Eric Tate. Nearly a decade after he burst onto the U.S. baseball scene with a workout video for the ages, Blank has captivated four different fan bases. Well, maybe not the Red Sox. And flashed his talent that led Kevin Goldstein to call him the best all-around prospect to come out of Blank in a generation. In Blank, he's a legend both on and off the field. His hitting prowess from 2015 and 2016 nearly as memorable as his many spring training rides, both of the sports car and equine variety. Unfortunately, that fame has been stymied by unusual injuries that have conspired him to play just 119 games of the last three years. This culminated with a surgery to move calcification from his heels in 2018, followed by a severely broken ankle. That's almost nothing that Blank could do that would surprise you at this point, except for possibly returning as a middle-of-the-order thumper to lead the Blanks in his final contract year. Uh, I got to guess. Yeah, Vic? Cespedes? Cespedes is correct. So we now add Cespedes to the list of Kyle Sporber, Ryan Braun, Eric Thames, Jay Bruce, Will Myers, <laughs> AJ Pollock, and Jake Lamb. Do any of you? Do either of you guys have any idea? Um, no. I will say, I will say, you guys not only should be getting this, but you like have been right on it. It's something with maybe high promise, maybe drafted a certain level or given a big contract and then they get hurt. It is not work. about the past. It is about the future. It's about the future. Are they all about to be free agents? I don't know. No, they're not all about to be free agents. To say that's the only thing that popped into my mind. Because um, I've run through most of the ones that would make this theme quite gettable, which yeah. leads me to think that you guys just aren't going to get it. They were just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Are they all coming no, back? The listening audience out there is screaming at you guys. <laughs> all right, I got one more for you. One more. If we don't get it here, you should just put us out of our misery. All right, because I mean, the other ones are so hard that you're not going to be able to get the theme from them. So then I'm just going to start giving theme-specific hints. Blank is an extreme example of how a modern player development can frustrate prospect evaluation. He produced just middling results after two tries in double-A, with power appealing to be his only plus tool. Accordingly, we had him outside the Blank's top 10 list coming into 2019, although he did get an honorable mention. After a swing change, Blank laid waste to triple-A and didn't look bad, hitting 11 home runs in his first 16 major league games following an August call-up. It was a dramatic showing, and one that all but forced us to now recalibrate our expectations for him moving forward. Still, we feel it's worth noting that he slowed down from his initial historic run. How could he not? 
and that his profile remains of a high strikeout, low walk slugger who's a little older than you'd think. There's volatility in, the, in them, their mountains. In other words, even the peaks are taller than we originally estimated. Aristides Aquino. Aristides Aquino is correct. Oh, I wasn't going to guess that. I didn't think he was old. Yeah, he's 25. I figured he was older than I thought, though. Aristides Aquino bothers me in a lot of ways because he broke all of the home run ro- records that Reese Hoskins set. And in the last 10 years of you know, Philly's fandom, Reese Hoskins' home run records have basically been the only thing that we've had going for us. And, and now we don't hold any of them anymore because of Aristides Aquino. All right. I, yeah, I still have no... Clue. I will do one final read-through of the list to see if anything sparks your mind. Again, this is something about the future, not the past. Okay? You are looking at Jay Bruce, Eric Thames, Yoannis Cespedes, Ryan Braun, Aristides Aquino, Kyle Schwarber, Will Myers, A.J. Pollock, Jake Lamb. Are they all projected a certain amount of home runs in the next year or something? Is about, I was thinking about their projections. Not quite that. Matt, you were very close to getting it earlier and then did not. Oh, if you rearrange the first letter of all their last names, you get act. <laughs> like I that. think that's it. I think you got you it. You all but said it, but you did not note that this was the theme. Something about injuries and high promise. and. Well, what would happen to a player if they were oft injured and – I mean, what positions do a lot of these guys play? Oh, they're all oh, These are all about to be NLDHs. Matt, Matt I'm going to give it to Matt because he said it slightly before Vic, and he also almost he got it. Yeah, no, he, he had it the whole time. But, yes, I, I took this off of a Fangraphs article. These are all of the players projected to be the NLDHs if the NL does, in fact, adopt the DH. The Reds are going to DH Aquino over Castellanos? Yeah, that's what they said. Um, but, I mean, I'm not going to let you guys call me call bullshit on me for, for using Aquino there. You had plenty of other players to get it. Ryan Braun, who was considered to be, quote, the face of the NLDH, um, sure. which is why I thought that was going to break it open. Ryan Braun and Jay Bruce were the two. We are tied. One correct. And so the ones that were maybe a little bit too hard that I didn't, I didn't give you guys, the Marlins DH is Garrett Cooper. The Braves' DH is Austin Riley. The Pirates were projected for Jose Ozuna. The Cardinals have Brad Miller now. I didn't even know that. Um, uh, the Giants are Hunter Pence. The Rockies, Ian Desmond. And so those were the remaining NLDHs that I, I didn't give you guys. I figured that if I gave you any of those, you weren't going to come any closer to getting the DH thing. So I feel like now that he's back with the Cardinals, Brad Miller, assuming they play, is going to have like a killer year. Yeah, I mean, he had like a 30-home run season like, not that long ago. So yeah, I feel like he would have another one. There's, a, there's like a decent chance that Matt could hit the ball hard. He just, again, is a guy without a defensive home. And that's the story of a lot of the guys on this list is that, you know, they've either got, you know, too many people at the position. Like A.J. Pollock can probably still play the outfield. It's just the Dodgers have too many outfielders. Um, and a lot of these guys like Will Myers just don't have a defensive home that perhaps now they will be able to find uh, if the DH is adopted. But I was wondering from you guys, I mean, as a, as a group of NL fans having grown up, I kind of like the fact that there's no DH in the National League. Um, I have mixed emotions about potentially adopting it. And I think if they adopt it now, NL DH never goes away. And so I'm wondering what your guys' thoughts are on it. I definitely agree with the fact that if it gets put into place for this season, there's no way they're going to repeal it. Like it's definitely going to stick around. Um, 
and I think it's a little bit of NL bias, but I just like the strategy is totally different in American league games than with national league games. Like it's just, there's such, there's such a less consideration when you're moving through the lineup in the later part of the game and you're not having to navigate around the pitcher spot. Like it's, I just think it's a much simpler game. I like the idea um, that I've heard on Twitter of uh, like a universal DH, but also universally your starting pitcher is tied to your DH. So once your starting pitcher gets yanked, uh, your DH gets yanked too, and your relievers have to hit or you use pinch hitters. Oh. I like that a lot. Cause I that, think that, have to coincide with like a roster uh, um, expansion, but. That, because I like that a lot because that increases the prominence of your bench. I think one of the things you really lose when you lose the DH is like the pinch hitter bench back. Exactly. Yeah. Managing the bench. Yeah. And, and, and I think, um, and I also think that starting pitchers not pitching deep enough into games is a problem. And there's a real, you know, cost benefit analysis of, well, if I pull my starting pitcher, I might have to take one of my better hitters out of the lineup, which is a really interesting consideration that teams might have to make. And I, I, I like that rule much more than just a straight DH because it does kind of, it keeps NL strategy while adding the DH components. Especially now that they've instituted the, the three batter minimum, I feel like combining the, the implication, like the implications of having a DH and the three batter minimum, like totally removes any, like any sort of like calculus that you're using in terms of managing both your bullpen and the bench. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't like that. There's some three batter minimum pitcher strategy, as I have learned from playing NLB the show with the three batter minimum. If your pitcher ends an inning, the, the three batter minimum does not apply to them. So I think there might actually be some sort of a reverse um, effect where baseball thinks they're going to make games shorter by having less mid-inning pitching changes because of the three batter minimum. But in fact, I think we might actually see a lot of pitching changes when there are two outs in an inning, because then you preserve optionality of being able to pull the guy in the next inning whenever you want, right? So if I bring in a righty to end the third inning, or not the third, if I bring in a righty to end the seventh inning, and then I want a lefty to face the second batter of the eighth inning, my righty can face like the first bat, the last of the seventh and the first and the eighth, and then I can bring in the lefty in the middle of the eighth inning. I think we're going to see a lot of that, especially with the DH, because you don't have to have the lineup effects, you know, of having to pitch hit or something. I tend to, I, I tend to fall into to one of two camps on the DH thing. Uh, for one, I think that once they enact the DH, no one's going to care. Like, yeah. I think after a year, I'm not going to be like, oh, I, like, I missed the strategy of bunting and whatever. I just think I, I care about it now, but once it's gone, I'm not going to miss it, per se. Um, and I, I think the, the biggest thing for me about it is less of like the implications on the game of baseball itself and more the implications on the league structure. I think baseball is really special. The distinct leagues are like individual entities. And I mean, they've slowly become one league, but the fact that they were at one point individual entities, I think is really cool. If I were running baseball, I would get rid of interleague play. I think that it kind of ruins the mystique of the World Series in a sense. Um, and so I think that, you know, you remove the DH and then it really just becomes, okay, we have two conferences that are exactly the same and exactly the same part of one league. At least the DH is the last semblance of the difference between the national and American leagues. I'm kind of in the other camp. I don't like the difference in the two leagues. Um, 
I would like to see something more universal, especially when it comes to like a world like playoffs and a World Series where you have like one team that's so rely on the DH, one team like that might not even have like a adequate DH because they don't like have to have an everyday player, everyday batter. I just think it'd be better if we had the same rules for for everyone. Yeah. I do kind of I do kind of agree with that where when you're playing even an interleague play, if a national national league team is traveling to an American league park and their roster just isn't constructed to have a, a DH regularly inputted in the lineup, you're just ending up with a bad or below average bench player occupying that spot. And, you know, that whole point of a DH is theoretically to add offense and that kind of negates that effect. If you have half of the league not preparing to even have a DH in the first place. Yeah. I saw a tweet a couple of days ago that said like, I mean, they were pretty bad teams it was like the giants and the marlins and the whatever but like basically the production they got out of their best bench players like hypothetically that would be their dh uh value was like a 190 hitter and their pitchers hit like 160 so it's right. like if you're not constructing your roster for it it doesn't bring that much offensive value so i kind of do understand and respect that perspective i just think that the differences in the leagues is kind of what makes baseball special. And that kind of adds to the mystique of the world series of like, you have these two individual bodies really playing to see who's better as opposed to like when you get a Super Bowl that's a rematch of a regular season game and you're like, Oh, these two teams already played or they have enough common games where you can like kind of figure out who's better and who's worse. Whereas if the leagues are completely independent, it is actually like you don't know who's better and who's worse. A 90-win team in the National League could be the equivalent of a 100-win team in the American League just because of the strength in the leagues. Yeah, I also think like it's better for NL pitchers too, the starting pitchers at least, just to be able to pitch more and not have to worry about hitting. I mean, I'll miss like the Madison Bumgarner and like Zach Greinke, like and Bartolo moonshots, but you know, arms that hammer. Although. Yeah. We will occasionally get the great, um, the great moment of when Joe Madden messed up his lineup card and then had to bat the pitcher anyway. Um, Joe Madden like messed up the lineup card he submitted, and then the DH like got removed from the lineup, and so they had their pitcher batting like sixth or something, and they just had to live with it. And it was fantastic. I think he like doubled or something. It was insane. You'll uh, also though avoid Max Scherzer breaking his face trying to take batting practice <laughs> yeah i mean i think that's that's the most important thing yeah error on tampa bay's lineup forces andy sonnenstein to bat <laughs> andy sonnenstein oh my goodness yeah so they wanted to dh uh ben zobrist and play longoria at third but instead they listed them both as third basemen and when you do that apparently the the second third baseman is just removed from the lineup entirely and um and the pitcher bats instead of a DH, which seems like a weird rule. But Sonnenstein hit an RBI double. And so, and so it, ended up, it ended up working out for them. And the bench coach was like, I did that on purpose. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to lose my job now. <laughs> well, it, what's interesting is that this is the second time this has happened uh, for the Twins. Not the Twins, the, the Rays. Because the last AL pitcher to hit in an AL home game was Matt Garza before Andy Sonnenstein. It's a very interesting. Did they do that on purpose, or was that also an accident? Uh, it's unclear. He went hitless for two at-bats in a July 6th doubleheader. The move was made due to an injury. Ah, so it was a mid-game injury, and I guess they didn't want to replace the DH. He didn't start the game as a hitter. Uh, they just voided the right to the DH. And then before that, it happened in uh, 99. Oh, that's really bad. 
<laughs> there, there have been some funny DH mix-ups. I actually look forward to this if the NL adopts the DH. This is fun. So in 99, Manny Ramirez and Alex Ramirez were both in the Indians lineup. Uh, Manny Ramirez was listed as the DH, and Alex Ramirez was listed as the right fielder. But the manager just wrote Ramirez, Ramirez, with no first initial. So Manny Ramirez went to play right field, and Alex Ramirez didn't take the field. But since Manny Ramirez was listed at DH, it was the effectively they subbed him from DH to right field. And so the pitcher had to hit in that game as well. Mm. You love a good old classic last name mix-up. <laughs> the Ramirez's. Uh, and it's very, it's very, it's very, it's very Manny Ramirez of him to do that. That's, that's the most Manny being Manny thing maybe ever. There you go. We got a fun DH tangent out of it. I hope you guys had fun listening to the baseball prospectus annual game. I know that game will be back. These Monday segments are going to be a mix of a bunch of different games. I've got a few games in mind. Um, we can do rankings. We're going to do, we're going to do some fun stuff on these Monday shows. And we hope to kind of mix in a bunch of our friends and, and have a good time with it. So thank you all for listening and, and hopefully you enjoy the rest of the week. There's a lot of, a lot of great stuff coming up. So it should be a fun time. Yeah. Uh, thanks again, Matt. Thank you, Jimmy. Uh, it was good to have you guys back. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Anytime. All right. And remember to listen to this week. This is episode seven of the Canon. We are making the case for Bobby Abreu, for Alfonso Soriano and for a mystery wide receiver should be fun and we'll see you there.